right, all right. How are you guys doing? You guys doing all right? I just want to apologize ahead of time for our lack of motions for every move I make. Like, seriously, there are motions for, like, every word of that song, but, like, I forget them all. It's, it's been so long. The 90s, you got to understand, the 90s, like, the more I think about it, it's like 20, 25 years ago, like, that we were in the thick of it. So, like, it's longer than we think. Um, but we are just glad you're here, so glad you're hanging out with us tonight. Uh, some of you guys we haven't seen in a while, so it's so good to see some of your faces. Some of you guys that are new, that are here, let me take just a second to introduce myself. My name is Daryl. I'm the minister of high school here at Cross Life Church. Uh, love my job. I get paid to point teenagers to Jesus, and I love every second of it. Like, I have to pinch myself that it is my job. Like, I, I get my occupation is, like, to draw teenagers into a relationship with Jesus, and that's just the greatest thing in the world. And so hopefully, if you've been here a bunch of times, you know that about me, you know that, that you, we care about you, you know that we love you. Um, if this is your first time here, let me just remind you of a few things. I want you to know when you walk through these doors, you're loved, all right, you're cared for, uh, you're adored, you are special, uh, you are um, created by God just the way that you are, and for that we celebrate and we just want to just you to know that we love you. Uh, we love you because God loves you, and we, we want to express that in everything that we do here, and if you haven't had a chance to meet somebody today, if you came in the first time and like you've just been kind of like sitting in the corner, I just want to apologize on the front end, and I want you to know that like if I haven't met you yet, come find me afterwards. I get real busy, and like sometimes I, I have to like stop myself to say hi to people. Like Just come introduce yourself to me. I want to get to know you better. I want to know who you are. I want to know your face. I want to know your name. Um, and get to know you on that level, all right? Um, we are finishing up our series called Back to the 90s. We've had a lot of fun with this series. We've been flashing back to old school, Ninten or, not Nintendo, old school Nickelodeon days and old school music and old school styles and fashions. Um, I'm a little ashamed to say that I already had these jeans. I didn't have to go buy them. Um, and I had another pair that Tommy is wearing. Tommy is wearing my pants tonight, in case anyone, he's not in here. He's, you guys are all like, every single one of you turned around and looked for Tommy's pants. Tommy is in middle school, all right? So, uh, but there's just my back of my closet. I pulled them out, all right? Because here's the thing. Here's my idea with fashion. Like, I don't know if you guys have noticed this in your short span of life, but like fashion trends go circular. So like something that's in style now is going to go out of style in about two years, and then another style that was out of style three years ago is going to come back in style. So it's just kind of circular. So don't throw away your clothes. Hold on to them because eventually they come back around, all right? So uh, that's kind of how I felt with this outfit. But um, we are so glad that you're hanging out with us as we continue this series, as we finish this series. For those of you that don't know, we have been in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is where we've been camped out this entire series. Nick filled in for me last week while I was in uh, sunny California. I was up in Irvine, California, just north of L.A. at a conference, 120 youth pastors hanging out uh, for three days, four days, uh, just learning, growing, building relationships, and it was just a great time. Good chance for me to just unplug and hang out with guys that are in the same grind that I am as a youth pastor. Um, so I appreciate Nick filling in and preaching last week and, and just doing a great job. I, I listened to the message the other day, and man, he did a stellar job with Psalm 95. If you haven't been in our series, if you haven't been listening, I encourage you, man, get caught up. Like, go back to our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash students. All of our Wednesday night messages in high school are on there. 
You can go back and watch every single one uh, for the last like year and a half. We've been streaming and posting and stuff. So like check them out. It's all there. Uh, we would love for you guys to check that out and just get caught up in what we have. Also, we have our podcast. All of our audio gets put on podcast as well. So you could definitely check in with what we're doing. But tonight, we're going to focus on Psalm number 99. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up. It's a short psalm. It's not a psalm that um, is going to take a whole lot of time to read. But Psalm 99 is where we're going to be today. But before we do that, let's kind of look at where we've been. We've been looking through the different psalms through 90 through 99, right? That's the whole theme. Get it back to the 90s. A little funny. That's right. Whatever. You didn't get it. If you just, if it just, like if that light bulb just went on in your life, like you've been here all four weeks and you're like, oh yeah, they've all been in Psalm 90. Like, welcome to the party. Uh, it took you a little bit, but you got here. All right. So, uh, but tonight we're going to finish that looking at Psalm 99. But before we do that, let's look at where we've been. We've talked about in, in all the different Psalms, a few of the themes that have come out, right? That God is our shelter, that God is a shadow, he's our refuge, he's our fortress, right? He's the most high God, he's almighty God. He sees and hears our sins, he cares for his people, he desires justice. And then last week, Nick talked about how we're challenged to worship, we're called to worship, we're called to worship the God, our creator. Well, tonight in Psalm 99, a lot of those themes get repeated, but in a way that is very poetic. I want to get like a little scholarly for you guys. I love going back to the Psalms because I took a class in Psalms when I was in college. Like it was one of my favorite classes when I was in my undergrad. And it was just like we literally sat down and we read through Psalms and Proverbs for an entire semester. Just studying not just the words but like the structure, the poetic structure behind it. Because really at its simplest form, the Psalms and the Proverbs are poetry. Right? They're songs, they're poetry, they're, they are uh, written in such a way that it kind of gets lost in translation sometimes, that we don't necessarily see the poetry behind it, but you can see patterns and you can see rhythms uh, in it. And Psalm 99 is one of those uh, passages that you can see a pattern. You could see some repetition. You could see some give and take between uh, the things that are being said and the response to those things. And this passage is one of those where that happens. So let's go ahead. We're going to read all nine verses because it's short. I want you guys all to hear it. And then we're going to pick it apart a little bit and talk about what it has to do with us. All right? Ready? Psalm number 99, starting in verse number one, it says this. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let, the, let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The king in his might loves justice. You have to establish equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called upon his name. They called to the Lord, and he answered them. In the pillar of the cloud, he spoke to them. They kept his testimonies and the statutes that he gave them. Verse number eight O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Verse nine, as we finish, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord, our God, is holy. Let's pray. God, as we unpack this passage, as we apply it to our lives, as we just study it and we, we learn from it, God, I pray that you would open up our ears, open up our hearts to your message and to your, your desire for our lives. 
God, I pray that we would see that you are worthy. God, that you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our thanksgiving. You are worthy of all honor and glory and praise that we could give you. God, guide us and lead us tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remember that these songs and, and psalms are, are songs or poetry, right? And, and as we read this passage, you can kind of see a rhythm. You can kind of see just a, a back and forth a little bit of what the author is saying here. It goes back and forth between stating and recognizing attributes of God, okay, and things that God has done, and then it goes to what our response should be. There's actually three different occasions that this happens in this passage, there's three different occasions where, where it, it bounces back and forth between like, the things that God, or the, who God is, and what he's done, and what he's accomplished, and his characteristics and attributes, and then what our response should be. Let's take a look at these. First, the first one happens in verses 1 through 3. Verses 1 through 3, we see in verses 1 and 2, the attributes of God. It says this, The Lord reigns, let the people tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Verses 1 and 2 here, it's familiar declarations about God. If you've, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, you've heard these because they, they kind of repeat throughout the Psalms. They're very common declarations. They're common attributes that are declared by God. But it's important that we understand these attributes. It's important that we recognize these attributes because we're called to respond due to these attributes. And these attributes are pretty simple. The first is this, that God reigns. It says it right there, those first three words, the Lord reigns. What does that mean? It reigns. It's not reigns as in like the, the clouds open up and like water falls from it. No, it's, it's he reigns. It means he's a ruler. He's sitting on the throne. He, he is the greatest ruler that we could possibly imagine. So God reigns. The second thing we see is that he, God is enthroned. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. What that means is that he, he is sitting in that. It's very much like the, the first one where he reigns, but he's sitting in the heavens with the cherubim, and, the, and, and he, he's enthroned on the holy of holies. Like, he is the Lord God. It is a declaration that he is the God of the universe. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, the cherubim were located there in, in the temple and inside of the um, the, the, the tabernacle and all this, and, and he, the, God is sitting there in that. It's his, his seat. It's his, it's his seat that he rests in, that he rests upon. And it's just a declaration of who he is and his ruling ability. And then the third thing is this, that the Lord is great. We see that in verse number two, the Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. God is great. Amen. Like we can know, we can trust that God is good. We can know and trust that God, it, it, he cares for us, he loves us. But in the end, we need to understand that God is great. He's better than good, he's great. And he, and he takes care of us and, and he, he's exalted over all the people. He's greater than anything you could ever see, any, greater than anything you could ever experience. But what's our response? Verse 3 talks about that. Verse 3 says this, let them praise your great and awesome name, holy is he. Because God reigns, because he is enthroned, because he is great, we are to praise his great and holy name. We are to praise who he is. And here's the thing, I, I know that sometimes that word gets thrown around in church so much that we kind of lose sight of what it means. I need you to understand that like, 
by to praise him and to praise his great and awesome name is, is not just something we do. It's not just something we do when we come to church. It's not just something we do when the band comes up here and leads us in worship. It's something we should do daily with our actions, with our words, with our thoughts, with our minds, with our hearts. We need to be praising God for his great, awesome, great and awesome name. I love the word awesome. I, I have a, a relative, my sister-in-law, um, it's, she's an English major, um, and so if you know those types of people, um, you know they're like grammar Nazis, and if you say something wrong, she like scowls at you and like stares down her nose at you. Anybody have those people in your life? Yeah, anybody of you those people? Yeah, I hate you people. No, just kidding. I love you because God says I should, uh, but um, I... I I remember when I first married my wife and we started being at these family dinners, I grew up in New Jersey. Like, we said awesome all the time. And, like, we, we would say it like that, too, because, like, I had a really thick Jersey accent. You saw that. I slapped into my Jersey accent real fast. All right? Four years of North Carolina neutralized me. But, like, we would say awesome all the time. And I remember I, I would say something, and, and she would be like, only God is awesome. <laughs> and I'd be like, what? But the more I studied what that word means, that idea of awesome, is to just be in awe of somebody. To, he's worthy of awe. He's astonishing. It's great and powerful. Like there's nothing more awesome than God. There's nothing more in this world that when I look at it and when I think about it and I understand who he is and what he does, there's nothing that makes me stand in awe more than God. When God works in my life, I'm literally, I'm, I'm speechless most of the time. There's nothing I can do but stand in awe of who he is and what he's done. We need to be praising his great and awesome name. He reigns. He's enthroned. He is great. So let's praise his great and awesome name. Let's give him his due. Let's give him what he's worthy of. His, our praise and adoration. But it doesn't stop there. That's just the first account uh, in this passage where attributes and response. Let's look at the second one. This is found in verses 4 and 5. It says this in verse number 4. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. I want you to understand here, when it says the king, that K is capitalized. He's referring to God. He's referring to the king, the king God. In our text, because we know the New Testament, we can say King Jesus, right? The king of the universe, the, the ruler of it all. He loves justice. God is a God of justice. The attribute we need to understand here is that God is a God who is a just God. He cannot do wrong. He, 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 he has to do what is right. He, he desires to do what's right. It's the way he's wired. He, he, if, if something needs to be paid, it'll be paid in one way or another. We've talked about this in the last series. right? He's faithful to follow through and do what he said he's going to do because he desires justice. He's a God of justice. And because of that, because we can trust that he's a God who fulfills his promises and he's going to pay what is due and, and people are going to have to pay what is due to him, all right, we can trust that and then we, our response is found in verse number five, exalt the Lord our God, worship at his footstool, holy is he. That sounds a little familiar, uh, you know, let, 
Let them praise your great and awesome name in verse 3. Well, verse 5, it says, exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. So not only, because God is a God of justice, we need to do a few things. First, exalt the Lord our God. Exalt the Lord our God. Honor God for his high majesty. Exalt him. Praise him. Anybody like Disney fans? Anybody like Disney movies? It's okay. You can admit it. It's fine. I realize like maybe you're like a universal nut, but like everybody loves a good Disney movie, right? The greatest Disney movie of all time is represented on my shirt right now, Cool Runnings. If you've never seen it, you need to get right with Jesus and watch it. Uh, it's about the Jamaican bobsled team, an amazing movie, all right? Some of you guys are like, what? Jamaica bobsled team? It's there. It's amazing. Great movie. You'll cry. I cry every time, all right? But I love a good Disney movie, and one of my favorite Disney cartoons growing up was a movie called Aladdin, all right? Anybody remember? Not the live-action one with Will Smith because he ruined the role, um, but I'm talking like the original cartoon, Robin Williams playing Genie. And you guys remember when Aladdin is trying to fool Jasmine and to think that he's king, like, and that he's a, he's a prince, Prince Ali, 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 that guy, right? And like they have this giant parade coming in and like all these different animals and this big giant flagsman and these horns and these swords um, and, and all these things. And what's everybody in the crowd doing? They're cheering, they're shouting, they're exalting. They don't even know who he is, but they know he's a big deal because of everything going on. Everything they see proves to him that, hey, this guy's a big deal. We got to like, be praising him. The same type of terminology here is used when it says to exalt the Lord our God. We need to understand that we are exalting him for who he is, not for what he's done for us, although that's great, what he does for us, but because of who he is. When you just think about who God is, you should be exalting him. You should be praising him. You should be like that, the, the people on the side of the road during that parade just losing their ever-loving minds for God. Exalt the Lord, our God. And then I love this next visual that's found in verse number, uh, verse number five. It says this, worship at his footstool. I don't want to overcomplicate this because you can get into some pretty deep theological weeds talking about this and what that means to sit at the foot of Jesus, to sit at the feet of God. But you know where my mind went? My mind went to a little kid sitting at the feet of his parents in the living room or their grandparents, fire in the fireplace. And grandpa is sitting there in the recliner and the lazy boy with his feet up. Grandkids just sitting there in awe of grandpa, listening to stories. Listening to the history, the family history. And just soaking it all in. I had a grandfather like that. Actually, I had... I had I had the joy of having three grandfathers. My, my dad's dad and mom got divorced when he was like five and remarried. They both remarried. So like I got like three, three sets of grandparents, which was kind of fun because uh, I got really spoiled at holidays. But like my grandpa Chester, which was my dad's stepdad, and then my grandpa Bechtel, which was my mom's dad, both men that just could tell a story. 
And I remember I used to get so excited because I would go to my grandfather's house, uh, Grandpa Chester, and we'd go there a lot for dinner on like a Sunday. And like, I would just sit and listen. He was a Korean War vet, and he would just tell war stories. <laughs> and he was also like an exaggerator. So like often his war stories would involve like Superman and like Batman and like a a T-Rex coming in and like snatching people up. But like as a kid, I was like, this is awesome. Like this is so cool. Uh, But I would just sit in awe of my grandpa and just soak in what he would teach me and tell me. When When I hear that worship at his footstool, that's what I imagine. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sitting at the feet of God and just soaking it all in. In all of who he is. When was the last time you just let Jesus guide you? You just let his words penetrate your life. You let his words guide you and direct you. Let's worship at his footstool. But the passage doesn't end there. It continues in verse 6. Verses 6 through 9 is our final statement here, and it says this. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called upon his name. They called to the Lord, and he answered them. In the pillar of the cloud, he spoke to them. They kept his testimonies and the statutes that he gave them. O Lord, our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Right here in verses number 6 through 8, Those three verses, we're reminded this very simple thing. Guys, listen, God answers the call of his followers. God answers his followers. When you cry out to him, he will answer. He hears you. He understands you. He wants to help you. He desires what's best for you. And we're reminded that he answers through these three examples. We're given three names, Moses and Aaron. Um, if you read through the Exodus story, you know kind of how God answers their prayers, right? Through the Exodus, through the Red Sea, through the plagues, all these things, the pillars, all that. It's just, there's a lot. <laughs> like, we don't have enough time to go into that. But then he throws Samuel out there. And I love the story of Samuel because there's a, an example. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over to 1 Samuel uh, chapter number 7. I want to read to you a couple verses. Just an example of another way that God answered the cry of his followers, It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 9. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel. And the Lord answered him. That's an important part. And the Lord answered him. As Samuel offered up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord, that's three words in, in, in scripture. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below Bethkar. Verse 12, then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, for he said, till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. God hears our cries. What are you in? What are you in the middle of? What are you in the thick of? What does God need to like rescue you from? What does he need to deliver you from? What does he need to, to pull you out of? What is it that you're struggling with? What is your Philistines? 
What's attacking you? What do you need to lay before God and say, God, I just need your help. I need your assistance. Cry out to him. He'll hear you. He'll respond to you. He will help you. What's our response to that? What do we, when we realize and we recognize right, that, that God answers the call of his followers, what is our response? It's going to sound really familiar. Ready? Exalt the Lord our God. Sound familiar? It's just a few verses early. The exact same phrases. Exalt the Lord our God. Exalt who he is. Exalt his, his character. Exalt what he does for us. Exalt who God is in your life. But then it goes on. It says this. Instead of worship at the footstool, it says this. Worship at his holy mountain. Worship at his holy mountain. Now we could get into some conversation about what this means, what mountain are they referring to. Some, people, some theologians say they're talking about Jerusalem and the mountain that Jerusalem sits on. Some people are thinking about the mountain that the actual temple sits on inside of Jerusalem. Like there's all these things. But let's just like not overcomplicate things here. And let's just recognize that in battle, what always wins? You learn this from Star Wars. The high ground. The high ground, right? Listen, Star Wars and the Bible like this, all right? High ground. High ground, all right? Higher ground. It, it, it's a common thing. Uh, and if you look all throughout Israel, Israel's uh, history, you realize that, like, the higher ground is so important. You can look back in just, not even in scripture, but like just through Israeli history, if you were on top of the mountain, you were safe. Like if you were on top of the mountain, the Maccabees talk all about this. Like you can see like they, they were able to fight off because they, were at, they had the higher ground. They were able to defeat things because they had the higher ground. And in battle, God is at the highest possible ground you can be. And when he's on your side, guess what? You have the higher ground too. And because of that, worship him at his holy mountain. Worship him at his location. Worship him because he is greater than anything that could ever come against you. Exalt his name. Worship him. We're given all those examples. God reigns. He's enthroned. He is great. Praise his great name and awesome name. God is a God who desires justice and equity. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his feet. Worship at his footstool. Sit at him and listen. Soak it all in. God is a God who answers the cries of his people. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his holy mountain. Worship who he is. As we wrap up this series, as we close this series, as we finish and, and, and just kind of tie up all the loose ends, I need you to understand me and I need you to hear me very, very clearly that God desires you. God desires your love. He desires your praise. He desires your, your adoration. God wishes that you would be more in love with him every day. God desires that you would fall in love with him over and over and over again. He desires that you would, would continue to grow in a relationship with him so that you have a further understanding of what it means to live a righteous life when you compare it to the words in this book. God desires that, that we would praise him, we would honor him, we would live for him, we would work for him, we would serve him. 
So I ask this very simple question. What's stopping you? What is it that's stopping you? What's stopping you from, from understanding that he is worthy of our praise? If there's anything that you hear tonight, I need you to understand this. Ready? God is worthy of your praise. God is worthy of your life. God is worthy of everything that you could possibly give him. God is worthy of our praise. He hears our cries. He responds. He is holy. He is righteous. He is just. He is faithful. He is awesome and worthy of all. And he reigns forever. What's stopping you from praising him? Maybe it's distractions in your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's friends. Maybe it's fear of what your friends might think. Maybe it's fear of what your friends might say. Maybe it's fear of, uh, of ridicule or persecution that you might receive at school or in your families. But here's the thing, guys. I need you to understand that God is bigger than any of that. And his worth of praise, like his worthiness of praise is greater than anything that could stop you or scare you from praising him. So here's my challenge to us. And I'm putting myself in this category because I find myself stopping from praising him sometimes. Here's my challenge. Let's praise God. Let's live a life in such a way that God is praised through the things we say, through the actions that we take, through the things that we do, through the friends that we have, to the words that we sing, to our attitude that we hold. Let it all praise God. Because if you're a follower of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is not just like a recommendation that we worship. It falls more into the commandment category. We need to be praising God. We need to be giving him all honor and glory. What's stopping you? Maybe you're in here tonight. And when I just said, you know, if you're a follower of God, if you're a Christian, like, and you just thought to yourself, well, I'm not one of those. What do I do? And I just want to encourage you to surrender to Jesus. God's a loving God who wants, who wants you in his family. He wants you to love him. He wants you to, to serve him. He wants you to follow him. And it's really not all that complicated. Like, all you have to do is ask him to help you. All you got to do is ask him to forgive you of your sins and decide in your heart that you're going to follow him and live for him. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins if you just confess your sins to him and ask him to forgive you. So if that's you tonight, before you leave, you're going to have an opportunity to have that talk with Jesus, to have that talk with him. There's a lot of people in this room that, that have made that choice already, and you've already made that step. And, and, and some of you guys even are getting baptized on Sunday, which we're excited about because that's the, the public declaration of your faith in Jesus and your, and your life that follows Jesus. And we just want you to know that this is a safe place for you. We love you. We care for you. Jesus loves you. He cares for you. And he wants nothing more than for you to love him back.
He's worthy of our praise. Let's praise him with our lives. Every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody's looking around, nobody's talking. If you're a Christian in here and you're a follower of Jesus, I want to challenge you real quick to just pray. Pray that for yourself that you would praise God with your life, Lord, that, that you would give God the glory for all things in your life, that you would honor him and you would praise him because he is worthy of praise. But if maybe you're in here and you've never given your life to Jesus, maybe you're in here and, and that guy that I was talking about just a few seconds ago, that's you. You've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You've never asked Jesus to, to forgive you uh, uh, of your, your wrongdoings. You've never gotten saved. You've never asked him to, to wash you clean. I want to give you that opportunity right now because here's the thing. Jesus came to earth some 2,000 years ago, lived the perfect sinless life. He's the only guy, only person in the world ever to do it because he's fully God and fully man all at the same time. Really cool concept. And he willingly went to the cross. His blood was shed for you. So that if you would ask him to forgive you your sins, your sins would be forgiven. No longer do we need an animal sacrifice for the atonement of our sins because the perfect sacrifice was made through Jesus. He went to the cross for you and for me. And so if we cry out to him, he's faithful to forgive us our sins. So if that's you tonight, if you need that, if you need that forgiveness, if you need that 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 cleansing of your sin. Have a conversation with Jesus right now. You don't have to use my exact words. You don't even have to say it out loud. Guess what? Guess what? If you think it, if you, if you mean it in your heart, God will hear it. He's bigger than our vocal cords. You can say it silently in your heart, in your mind. Say something along these lines. Say, dear Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness in my life. I recognize that you sent Jesus to earth to die for me. And Lord, I ask that you, through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, would forgive me of my sins. Save me and change me. So that if I were to die today, I'd be in heaven rather than hell, separated from you. And just follow it up. It's just a simple amen. If you're in here tonight and you said that prayer and you meant it the best you know how, you didn't have to say all the right words, you didn't have to say everything just the way I said it, but that cry of your heart was that for, for that forgiveness that Jesus offers. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, shape, or form, but I want to be able to pray for you. I want to be able to know who you are so I can talk to you. I can follow up with you and help you take those next steps in growing in a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to just do something. I'm going to ask you just to, to look up at me and make eye contact with me. As I scan the crowd, just look up at me. If I don't see your eyes, kind of wave at me. I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. I want you to know that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your entire life. Absolutely the greatest thing you could ever do is to surrender to Jesus and ask him to forgive you of your sins. You can leave here tonight knowing that you are his. You've been forgiven. 
if you, for God forbid, you take your last breath tonight, you will wake up in the presence of Jesus. And you could take that knowing that the rest of your life. And that was happened today. October 27th, 2021. Spiritual birthday. For the rest of us in this room, take this moment. As we, as we close in a time of worship, as we sing a song of praise, reflect on the awesome power of God. Reflect on the awesome name of God. Celebrate what he's done here tonight in this place. Celebrate what he's doing, what he's going to continue to do. Let's stand to our feet as I pray for us, as we get ready to worship. Let's stand and let me pray. Father God, I thank you. God, I thank you for that one tonight, Lord, that step from death into life. Lord, that came in here a sinner and is leaving forgiven. God, we give you the honor and the glory in that. God, we praise your holy name because you are worthy of our praise. God, we give you the honor. We exalt you. We set our heart on you. We praise you in this moment. God, help us to be in awe of you and what you're doing. Lord, help us to focus on you right now in this moment as we sing to you, as we praise you, as we do exactly what you told us to do in Psalm 99. Praise his name. Holy is he. Praise his great and awesome name. God, we give you this night. It's in Jesus' most glorious, precious name we pray. Amen. As we sing this song in closing, I just want to encourage you. The altar's open. If you need to pray, if you need to just have that conversation with God, man, come kneel here at the altar. Grab a friend and say, hey, can you pray with me? Let's have a time of just praising God for who he is. Let's praise his great and holy name together.